0: The following podcast is a Clutch Media production.
1: Welcome to They Get It. My name's Kelsey, and my co-host Emma and I love direct-to-consumer brands. Whether it's an amazing customer experience or a really killer social strategy, this podcast will feature the brands and founders who just get it.
2: All right. Today, we've got Lisa and Dahlia with us. They are from the Co, which recently launched. And this one was such a good episode if you're interested in manufacturing in figuring out how to find a manufacturer and what that process looks like. Um, I know I've been really curious about that because it kind of just seems like a black box. Um, And so it was really nice to get some answers on that today. And Lisa and Dahlia are just really easy to talk to.
1: Yeah, they were awesome. And they put up with us hammering them with questions on how to find manufacturers, how (laughs) to work with manufacturers. They're probably like, why do these girls care so much about manufacturing? (laughs) But they were such good sports. So for anyone that doesn't know, Allie was only launched three months ago, and they are blowing up. So if you don't know them yet, you definitely will. Um, and for anyone who's curious about what they do, Ali is a lockable storage box. So it's a simple lockable storage solution to safely keep off limits products away from wandering hands. It features an integrated three digit lock and a personalized combination code for you guessed it, edibles and cannabis products, keeping them away from your children. It's a problem that is only going to get bigger and bigger as edibles and cannabis become more mainstream especially with parents and with families so I think the problem that they're solving is great and I think they're having a lot of fun doing it
2: yeah oh it's such a cool story and it's really interesting how they spoke to how many different use cases that they've discovered from their customers super cool
3: Mm -hmm.
2: anyways we will stop blabbing now and we will get right into the episode let's do it Welcome back to another episode. Today, we have Lisa and Dahlia here from The Alley Co. They recently launched, but they've been building this for a while now. Lisa and Dahlia, we're so happy to have you here today. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. So to start off, we like to get into the background of things. So tell us a little bit about the product, about how you met each other, about what you were doing before you took this jump into entrepreneurship.
3: Yeah, well, um, I guess I'll jump in. This is Lisa. Um, Dahlia and I, I'll start with how we met. Uh, We met about six or seven years ago, I'd say, um, when we both uh, started working on TEDx Toronto, which was a side hustle for both of us outside of our day jobs. Um, And so uh, I was um, running it at the time and Dahlia came on board for marketing and then we eventually just pretty much um, we're running it together for a few years after that. And we worked so well together. We kind of have like, you know, I have the left brain, she has the right brain kind of thing. And we've always just collaborated so beautifully together. And we always knew we wanted to create something, but we just, that moment hadn't hit yet. Um, So in terms of backgrounds, I have a, a marketing background. So I went to school for business and then um, worked at several companies in-house doing marketing and public relations, uh, mostly in retail and hospitality, and then um, had some kids and then hmm. thought, OK, I need to have I, I, I've always wanted to jump into my own business. And I had that light bulb moment um, with Ali and in, in chatting with Dahlia, we, you know, with legalization. We noticed that a lot of parents were dabbling into cannabis and kind of moving away from alcohol, but there was no safe storage solution that also was aesthetically pleasing. And uh, that was our light bulb moment. And we just kind of decided to take a chance on that together. And here we are.
1: Hmm. Awesome. The one thing is like you say, oh, we just didn't have that light bulb moment. But typically ideas for products like this don't come out of nowhere. Did you have a situation where maybe a kid got into some edibles or something like that? That was your light bulb moment?
3: Yeah, we were hearing a lot of stories about, you know, children or um, grandparents or, you know, someone I knew had a a cleaning lady that came to their house once a week and just kind of started dabbling into some chocolates that were on the counter. And that was turned into a serious situation. Yeah. And then obviously headlines that were popping up everywhere. And we just realized, okay, here's a massive problem. And there's really nothing on the market that solves the problem Um, in a a, a nice way, just because, yes, obviously there are boxes that lock on the market, but there's nothing that is food grade, that is appealing to the eye. And with our generation, we want everything to look good in our space, right? So we Mm -hmm. wanted to solve all those problems with one product. Very cool. So you decide that you want to do this.
2: And what happens from there? Are you still working at this time? Do you... Just
3: yeah, so um, or, yeah. I'm I'm knee-deep in newborn mode and um, Dahlia is uh, full-time working uh, at a security company in marketing. Um, Dahlia, I don't know if you want to jump in on your background before we dive in or...
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll introduce myself quickly. Um, so yeah, it's Dahlia, the other half of Ali. Um, and like Lisa said, I'm the right brain. So my background is in... Fine arts, industrial design, Um, majority of my career um, was primarily in branding and packaging with CPG companies. Um, And yeah, and Lisa and I became um, moms around the same time. Well, actually, she had one before I did. Uh, But we both had a baby during the pandemic at basically the launch of our company. So that was very interesting.
2: No
3: kidding. (laughs) Good times.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, that's but, started.
3: yeah, I mean, in terms of um, when we developed the idea and decided to run with it, um, once the idea came to us, we already knew we wanted to work together and create a business and a company together. And so the, the product right away felt right. The idea right away felt right to us. And um, from there, we just began this journey. And, you know, looking back, there were so many obstacles along the way, but I mean, I would totally do it over and we're still mm-hmm. in the thick of launch. But um, yeah, it's, it, it's basically been two years uh, since we decided to press go on the idea and uh, we launched about three months ago.
1: Hmm. Wow. Three months. I feel like you guys have been around for a lot longer than that. You guys are doing such good work getting the brand out there. That's awesome. And so if we can go back a little bit. So you have this idea, you know, that it needs to be a container that looks good. Did you test it out with, you know, products that you could find around here or did you go straight for the manufacturer? We went. So we went straight to
3: um, an industrial designer with our ideas. Ah, okay. Um, we needed someone who could uh, put pen to paper. And we actually learned along the way, which is uh, a great tip for anyone who wants to develop a product, is that you can actually, if you find the right manufacturer, just work directly with them to design your idea. Um, mm-hmm. So we probably could have saved quite a bit of money um, skipping the industrial design step, Um on this end but uh but yeah so we right away started working with industrial designers um that took about uh that took a good four to five months to land somewhere we are happy with and then um, and then we had to find our manufacturer luckily um, my family's business is in um, homeware manufacturing so they had some great contacts for me right off the bat. So I'd say that saved us a good six months of searching mm-hmm. for the right manufacturer. Um, and then once we were in touch with the manufacturer, we were very naive in terms of how long that would take. Mm-hmm. Um, we we said to the industrial designer, okay, so let's, you know, let's get this idea on paper finalized within four weeks. And then we'd like to launch in July. And this was in January mm-hmm. and they just, kind of rolled their eyes and thought, okay, these girls are crazy, but we just thought they were underestimating us and we'll find a way. Um, and then when we spoke to the manufacturer, here's our design, we want to work with you. How long is this going to take? And they said, uh, we said, we again said we wanted it to launch in six months and they said, yeah, it's going to take a little longer than that. (laughs) Um, so all in all it's an 18 month turnaround, which we learned, along the way. Um, Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very long process, just in terms of them understanding your idea and then sending um, mockups and prototypes and just, you know, getting over language barriers and Mm -hmm. um, delays in shipping and then you throw COVID into it. And so, um, yeah, it production for um, a design that you own. And starting from scratch is uh, it's definitely, you know, 18 months to two years. Yeah, Yeah, I'm
0: going to say that, you know, people think like, oh, it's such a simple concept, which it really is. It's a box with a lock and it just looks really good and has all these features. But it was actually extremely challenging, even for these professional manufacturers that make millions of products every single day. It was so hard to get it right.
1: Hmm. Well, I can imagine. And I'd love to know when you originally contacted that industrial designer, did you come with mock-ups or what was that process of even getting it
0: designed? Um, I I think we had a really good idea in mind for what we kind of wanted the product to look and feel like. We had a mood board. um, We had somewhat of our branding done. um, And I think that kind of set the tone for them to design the product we knew what it wanted to feel like we we knew how we wanted it to make people feel um so we we gave them a general idea and some guidelines and then let them run with it
3: yeah and we knew we knew the size we wanted and we knew the problem we wanted it to solve and they were trying to push us down the route of the route of making it fancier and Hmm. um more tech forward, you know, it should open with a fingerprint oh, and X, Y, and Z. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. And so it was, there was a lot of push and pull there in terms of just making sure we were staying true to, you know, what the idea was and what the purpose was and just to keep it very user friendly and simple and not over-designed. Um, so we were definitely very involved in the design Um in the, t- in the industrial design of the product. And then I'd say that once we took it to the manufacturer, it then had more iterations and we continued designing it with the manufacturer. So um, that's why I'd say, you know, like Dalia is a very talented graphic designer. And I think if if someone is looking to bring a product to market, if they already have some design skills and they're working with the right manufacturer, you could probably skip the industrial design process. Yeah,
0: and there's definitely... Um, a, like a gap that you need to bridge between the industrial designers and the manufacturers because some things did not translate. Like the manufacturers were like, why would they put this there or this wall is <laughs> thin to carry this weight? So like there were so many like details that we had no idea that we needed to keep in mind when going into production.
2: When, I know you said you had connections that got your manufacturer, which is great, but are there tips that you would give to our audience on what to look for when choosing a manufacturer?
3: Yeah, a hundred percent. I would, the first thing I would do if I really didn't know where to start or if I didn't have the contacts is I would look at products that I like and products, um, where the quality is there that, you know, that I, that I'm looking for and then find out where they manufacture. So, um, the manufacturer we're using happens to produce a lot of product that we use and love ourselves. And Mm -hmm. just knowing that was a huge, um, reassurance to us. Um, we still got quotes from some other manufacturers, but because they weren't producing any other product that we were familiar with, and because this is essentially a new category for most manufacturers we approached, we just needed to make sure that, you know they had that credibility, um, so yeah, I would try. I would try and find out um, who the manufacturers are of products that are either in that same category or industry, um, or you know, look to Alibaba and then just try and edit down there. But that's mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a bit of a dark hole. So um, right,
2: <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Okay, and this might be a stupid question, but how do you find out? Who the manufacturers are for other products? Is it a Google search? Do
3: they list it on their website? Um, it takes a little bit of detective work, um, okay. Yeah. But I think if you were, if you're a good detective, as most young entrepreneurs are these days, you can, um, you can probably come across it if you search, if you do a little bit of a deep deep dive on LinkedIn, um, and also some companies are really open. In terms of um, revealing who their manufacturers are, um, some go as far as you know posting the whole journey on their websites, and they'll say exactly who manufactures the product. Um, or you could even reach out to the company directly uh, because you know if they have patents on their own products, they have no issue sharing who the manufacturer is.
1: I want to dig into why it's so important to meet in person this manufacturer and to be on site looking at you know the quality of the products that you're producing can you guys rewind a little bit when you're on your way to China both pregnant (laughs) tell us that story and then let's get into your actual relationship that you established with this manufacturer
3: yeah we felt that it was really important for them to meet us more than us meet them interesting Um, we yeah, we really wanted them to see how seriously we are taking this product. Um, there's a lot of demand on the manufacturing side. I guess if you're working with great quality manufacturers like the ones we're working with, um, they have they I mean they have no shortage of customers. And so we wanted them to be excited about our product, our company, and our future and by coming to meet them we were showing them how serious we were about it and i think that helped put our production more towards the front of the line um and then also we wanted that reassurance just seeing where the product is made seeing that you know the facility is you know ethical that the staff are happy that it's a nice environment um and we were hoping to again this is where we were a bit naive we were hoping for our visit to coincide with um production so we could mm. see so we could see it all in production. Um but uh no. No such luck. <laughs> it was it was it was far from being produced, but um they still kind of rolled out the red carpet for us and uh and you know showed us how it would be made and all the machinery that was you know, custom built just to make our product, which all was, you know, a great learning experience for us. And when you're developing a product from scratch, that is your own design, there's a huge tooling investment Mm -hmm. there. So you're essentially paying the manufacturer to develop this custom machinery to make your product. And that's a massive investment. And so it was really great for us to see, um, that machinery because at that point that was done and they were churning out samples for us. Um, so it was really important just from a relationship standpoint, but it was also really nice for us to see where the product would be made and to see other products being produced while we were there. And so now when we receive it, we know, where our babies came from. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the other babies, as if, as if you guys don't already have enough babies in yeah. your life. <laughs> yeah, our, actually, our box babies. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you You touched on something really interesting. And this is a question that comes up, I'd say, probably once a week from our audience. And it's this whole idea of budgeting funding, and then resource allocation, right? So you guys are starting this um, product company. Obviously, that takes a ton of capital up front. How did you think about budgeting for this launch, and how would other people coming into this position, how would you recommend they think about funding?
3: Yeah, so um, when we were dreaming up the product, we thought – you know, we should launch it in a bunch of different colors and a bunch of different sizes. And then um, once we started discovering, you know, the huge investment that goes into the industrial design and then the tooling um, of that particular size and design, we quickly realized we would have to start slow. And um, I often think of the, the story of the Swell Bottle and how Um, She launched with $30,000 and um, launched one color. And now I totally understand why she did that, because you basically have to invest um, most of your startup capital in your tooling. Um, And then what you have left over, you can invest in one color. So luckily, we were able to still, we had three colors we wanted to launch with, and luckily we can start with two. And we're going to be launching our third um, very soon. But um, a lot of that capital, which is we're both were completely self-funded and we both put our savings into this. And most of the capital went to that the tooling, so that custom machinery. Um, and so,
1: yeah. <laughs> hmm. OK, well, this is interesting. I'm on your website and for two people that don't come from e-commerce backgrounds or have never started your own e-commerce company before, you guys have done a killer job. And I think it's so interesting. You have all three colors listed on the website. One just looks like it's out of stock. That is so smart because then you can start getting people familiar with the color. And then as soon as it's back in stock or launched in this case, they know to come by.
3: Yes. Yeah. We've had a lot of demand for the pink the berry, mm-hmm. and it's going to be launching in June. And a lot of people think that we just sold out of it um, when mm-hmm. we launched, but we actually never launched it. So, <laughs> but yeah, Dahl- <laughs> Dahlia is the brains behind um, our website and our branding and our design. So actually, She's very talented. yeah,
1: this is, I don't know if you could write a more perfect segue, but Dahlia, your experience is content at Pure, right?
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay, so Pure is a company that Emma and I have been obsessed with for I don't even know how many years at this point. Tell us about that experience and really getting to work on the brand and the creative for Pure and how that's translated into what you're doing with Um.
0: So yeah, Pure was my first kind of real in into my career. So I started out as an intern, as a graphic design intern, um, and technically, I didn't really have much graphic design background. My, my degree is actually in industrial design. Oh, um, really? So I fell in love with graphic design as a side hustle. Like I was freelancing, making logos. And I was like, wow, I can make such a quick buck making a logo in an hour <laughs> as opposed to building a fucking piece of furniture. Like no I, I thought I wanted to be a furniture <laughs> designer. and I, And that quickly got tossed out the window. Anyway, so wow. yeah, I, I started at Pure as an intern and quickly um, graduated to manager, director, and I was basically running the entire brand and marketing team. Um, and yeah, it was great experience, and I loved the CPG industry. Um, I had a lot of freedom to do trial and error, and I think all of that experience really led me to where I am today. Um, also, I was working with zero to like no budget at all, so it was a lot of guerrilla marketing um, and bootstrapping. So it, it kind of taught me how to make something out of nothing. And basically, that's how Ali started. You know, it's just me <laughs> and Lisa. We're just two moms. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're taking care of our kids and we're building this business and we're making something out of nothing. And um, I love it. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, and brand is really everything to us. And we knew when we started that was number one. Like you can have an amazing product, but if your brand sucks, like you get the idea. Like brand is everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, and with Ali, that that was number one for us. And and the feedback we've gotten so far is just so humbling. Like I like you know like I'm blushing when people are like, "Oh my god, who did your branding? Oh my god, oh, so good! Professional. Is there like a team of designers?" And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's, 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 it's me it and my it's, baby. It's,
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Can you talk through a little bit of what goes in to building
0: the brand and what steps you took? Um I feel like it was so or is not cool. just a huge box to open up. Um it's definitely uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> was so that, good. Um essentially we just knew like the products, we knew we, how we wanted it to look and feel. So we wanted it to be super relatable and friendly and fun, but still sophisticated. And we didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves into a specific style or category. So like, yeah, we cater to the cannabis industry, but amongst other industries, but we didn't want to be that, you know, stereotype green or we, we just we wanted to be different we wanted it to be relatable and we didn't want to, yeah, pigeonhole ourselves into
1: mm-hmm.
0: anything specific. So versatility was key. And,
1: yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. I've actually seen a few influencers post about Ali and it's really funny that you bring that up because they're not talking about cannabis necessarily. Mm -hmm. Well, they usually bring it up, but usually um, I've seen that it's either jewelry or, you know, snacks they don't want their kids getting into. And so I think you've created a really, like you've solved a problem that's far bigger than just keeping your kids out of your, your weed. Totally. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that is
3: the idea totally was um, inspired by keeping your children away from cannabis-infused goods, but as we were developing it, we realized how many things actually should be locked away from kids, mm-hmm. or or people who want to lock things away from roommates, or people who live in multi-generational households, um, wanting to keep you know their parents safe or grandparents safe. Um, and then you know there's a huge camping industry and people who want to take things on the go who need it you know, locked away but easily accessible. Um, So there are so many instances and scenarios and uses for it that we're thinking of every day as we go along. Um, So although, you know, parents are kind of the low-hanging fruit in terms of who our audience is, it really spends um, so many different generations
1: and, and uses. <laughs> this reminds me. I don't know where I learned this. I want to say it might have even been university, so a, a couple years ago at least. Um, but there was a company that was doing basically like surveillance, so that you could monitor where your kids were at all times. And they launched with this bracelet and it had the GPS tracker, and it went to the parents' apps. And you know, you kind of get the picture. Anyways, they got into market and they realized actually the best customer of this brand were dog collars. When dogs were like getting in the pool and not being able to get out, the owners could go find this, the dog, the pet. And then also with grandparents, like you mentioned, like senior citizens and them, you know, not maybe um, like having the strength to pull themselves out of the pool. And it opened up this entire new uh, customer segment. And I feel like with a lot of products, especially like yours, sometimes you just don't even know until you're in market.
3: Oh my gosh, for sure. Yeah, we've had we've had people buy it for their pets, which we anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also had people buy it for their cell phones either to lock them away from themselves and or locking them, you know, like temporarily giving the password to someone else mm-hmm. or locking it away from their children during mealtime, like their teenagers. Um, so we're learning from our customers about really cool ways to use it as well, which has been fun.
2: Oh, oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Something though that came to mind as you were talking about your production process and it taking longer than you thought during that time, were you nervous about a competing product popping up or did you see anything similar come to market?
3: We were, um, well, I'll speak for myself. I thought about it every
0: day. We <laughs> I'm was, I was annoyed. <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, about it. I thought about it every day. That was um, me every day being like, do you think, do you, do you think they're onto us? (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I thought about it. I thought about it every day because,
3: because we're self-funded and because the process was so much longer than we anticipated. It's just, it's scary, right? Like you're pouring, your you're investing um, your own capital into this project. And if a bigger conglomerate swoops in and launches the same product, um, what do you do? You know, you Mm -hmm. maybe still would have pushed forward because we were in it. We had invested. Um, But it just kind of when you're first to market, it's you can kind of launch more confidently. Right. So, um, yeah, we were concerned about that all the time. And and to be honest, we're really surprised that um, nothing has popped up since (laughs) since we came up with the idea and since we launched.
1: Man, that resonates. This is something Emma and I talk about all the time. We're like, you know, this e-commerce thing, or, you know, we've got this idea for a drink company that we've been toying around with. And we're like, no, we're seeing it everywhere. Every time we open up Instagram, there's ads for competing products or competition and stuff like that. And then we have to realize, like, maybe that's just because those are the Google searches we're making. Maybe it's just because we're in this sphere where we're putting ourselves in the communities where people who are already interested in this stuff live. Maybe it's not yeah. a totally widespread thing. Maybe we're just searching for it. Yeah, I think that's true.
3: And also, um, this is advice I'm trying to take myself, is to come from a place of abundance, <laughs> which oh, I'm wow. sure you've heard of. Yeah. But mm. um, there is room for everyone. And I think I always have to remind myself of that. You know, the, the world is a big place and there's a lot of consumers out there and people are spending their money and... Um, you know, I think that as long as we believe in ourselves and um, keep believing in our product, and you know, I, I think that that's all we can do, right? And um, competition is actually healthy. And I think that we, you know, when our competitors start to pop up, I think we need to see that as fuel and um, get excited about it, and you know, treat them, you know, kill them with kindness and. Um, just get excited about it versus let it stress us out and get us down.
2: Yeah. I love that approach. Um, I'm interested as well, again, during this development process, you hadn't announced yet, right? You were building everything behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Why, why did you choose to um, launch right when you had the product ready? Did you think about announcing it earlier on
3: and taking people along for the journey or how did you... Yeah, how did you choose that launch um, I think that ties perfectly into your previous question, is we didn't want to, uh, because we started seeing how long um, production was going to take, we didn't want to launch the idea and get people excited about it, only to give our competitors um, time to develop the same Mm -hmm. thing. So uh, we kept it close to home. And because we were self-funding, uh, we didn't feel the need to start taking pre-orders um, or you know, launching a Kickstarter. We just decided let's um, let's launch and be able to give people the satisfaction of getting their
1: order within one to three days. Hmm. yeah, that's yeah, that's really good perspective because I think a lot of times when we are working with founders, They don't have a ton of reach and they certainly don't have a ton of capital. And so the idea of launching to a cold audience is intimidating. So we'll often hear, oh, build your audience first, build your community first, like start with an MVP of your product and build slowly. But I think you're so right in a market where a huge conglomerate can come in and squash you in your first day. I like the idea of building in stealth mode. I think that was the perfect method for this type of business.
3: Yeah. And we thought about, okay, should we build a community and start putting out content? But I mean, who are we if we can't say what our product is? Like what's our content? (laughs) What are we telling people? You know, like what community can we build if we don't have any of anything of value to give them yet? So um, we would have loved to have had a a community to launch to on day one, but um, you know, we took, we took a different route and um, it's, you know, it's pretty incredible how fast you can build a community you know, within three months. (laughs) So,
1: Hmm.
3: um, yeah. What does the community look like? Sorry, Emma. No, go ahead. Dal, do you want to jump in or?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, right now, most, most of our consumers are women. So all of our orders that come in, we see them instantly on our phones, on our app, and we Mm -hmm. get excited about every single one. (laughs) <laughs> um, that um, Shopify totally. Chiching. Totally. Yeah.
1: Love that sound. So Love good.
0: It. <laughs> um, and they are majority women. We assume they're mostly moms. Um, but now we're starting to tap into other markets too. Like you said, like people are discovering different ways to use our product and teaching us how versatile it is, and we're seeing more male consumers, um, even you know, younger crowds that are ordering it just to store their cannabis. Like it's a great rolling tray. It's a great um, box to keep your weed fresh. Like it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Um, So we have a pretty good mix going right now, but majority are definitely women and moms.
2: Okay. And how do you have um, a strategy for building that community? Like what does that look like since launch? How have you grown? (laughs)
0: Lisa?
3: <laughs> yeah we um we are we basically feel like we need to be on all the platforms all the time
2: mm-hmm.
3: so, oh my gosh yeah <laughs> it's it's a really tricky one like i Dalia, i can attest to this i i text her every day saying like okay so this is another platform that we have to get on what do you think and so you know we're we're very aware of um, how fickle the Facebook platform can be in terms of Instagram. And, you know, because we're kind of playing in and out of the cannabis space, we have to be so careful about um, our content and and whether it triggers us to be deactivated or not. And so um, we're trying to be as active as we can on on several platforms. But um, right now, we've been uh, investing heavily in um, in Facebook and Instagram advertising and then obviously trying to get onto the other platforms and then working um, with media and influencers as well mm-hmm. um, and then just trying to use our own networks too and word of mouth um, and then just also now jumping into other kind of referral and affiliate platforms. Oh, um, retail. Oh, yeah. Pardon?
0: Retail. Like, disp- yeah, people are carrying our product now, people are finding us in stores or Ugh. through their Instagram channels when they promote us.
1: Hmm. Oh, I love it. I geek out on this stuff. I work in influencer marketing as, you know, my full-time job. And so if you ever want to chat more about that, <laughs> I'm your girl. <laughs> and we're nearing the end of this conversation, but I do have one... like one question for you, I guess. So looking back, you know, you've been live for three months, but really in the works for close to two years. What's something that you wish you knew starting out that you've picked up along the way?
3: Um, I wish, um, I wish I knew that it was all going to be okay.
1: (laughs) Ah, That's a good answer.
3: Yeah, I just I wish I knew that I didn't have to stress so much about the little things along the way. Um, but it, it's you know it's our, it's our first business baby, mm-hmm. and it's again self-funded. So I think um, a lot of that a lot of that stress was coming from that. And now that I've kind of seen, okay, you can come from that place of abundance, and it's all going to be okay, and there's always going to be a solution. Um, yeah, I would just. Wish I wish I could tell myself it's all going to be fine, and um, you'll find a way.
0: I totally agree with that. I think because we're so passionate about the product and the idea and the future for our brand, um, the possibilities are endless, and there's really nothing to stress about because we love what we're doing, even though we're working our asses off. We love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's oh my god! It's different when it's your your business, baby. Exactly. Any
2: tips on how you've shifted that mindset to more of an abundance mindset?
3: Um, well, time is the biggest one. Like, you know, the only way to get there is to go through it. So mm-hmm. the, my mindset has changed as I've experienced building it and launching it, but also just reading a lot, listening to a lot of other people's journeys um, and, you know, reading and hearing so much about other people's failures before their successes, right? So, you know, maybe we have big failures ahead of us that we're going to learn from and then grow even more, or maybe not. And I think you just have to kind of be okay with whatever's coming your way.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. And I think what we've learned talking to enough entrepreneurs, um, even through this podcast, is that it's inevitable to some degree. And everything's relative. So if you haven't been through the most catastrophic event ever, you're going to have what feels catastrophic to you personally. And so I think building that resilience and that mindset is something that's only going to help you. I think that's awesome advice for people who are in similar positions. And if we look forward right? We've got a new color coming soon. If we were to fast forward maybe five years, what does Ally look like at that point? Our dream for Ally is to kind of solve the
3: pain points of daily life in the home. Um, mm-hmm. So right now we're kind of honing in on the safety theme. Um, but there's so many other little pain points in the home, in the kitchen, um, in the living room and the bathroom, and we want to solve those problems, but in a stylish and discreet way. So we'd love to, you know, in five years have maybe three or four other verticals and, um, yeah. I love it. And
2: what I love most about it is you're solving problems. Like the whole backbone of your business is solving problems, which I think is just, an absolutely genius way to build a company. So that's super exciting. I can't wait to see what's next for Allie. Thank you. Now we have one more question that we ask everybody who comes on our show. Obviously we think you two get it. Who do you think gets it?
3: Um, I have have a few, but um, they're there's one couple in particular whose journey I've followed for a long time. They are um, Mimi and Alex Icon. Are you familiar with them? Yes. I'm yeah. Not. So I just no. Um, basically they so they launched Luxie Hair and then sold it. Oh my they, gosh. I know Luxi. They're huge. Yeah, yeah. So they sold that a few years ago. I started following their journey um, I'd say ten years ago. Wow. Um, and then they launched um, the five minute journal. But um I I'm not so much, I don't so much feel like, of course they get it from a business standpoint, but I just feel they get it from um, a whole mindset lifestyle standpoint, you know, like don't take anything too seriously. Um, think about what's important in life Uh, make smart business decisions. Um, always be learning from others and always be willing to improve yourself. And I just think they're, they're, you know, so inspiring from a business perspective, but just um, on a personal level too.
1: Great answer. That's so good. Yeah.
3: And then if Dali doesn't have one, I can jump in with another one. Um, I, I've i been loving Saqqara um, out of the US.
1: Yeah, we love Sakara.
3: Yeah, I just, I just think their content is incredible. And, you know, Dali and I are thinking about content every day. And mm-hmm. h- as we build this community, what kind of content can we put out that will be valuable to them? Um, and Sakara does such a good job at, um, not overselling their product and delivering such valuable content. And it's also beautiful and stylized. And I just think they're doing such a good job.
2: I completely agree. I love their podcast as well. We yeah. need to start a petition for them to start shipping to Canada because I, I need know. those meals. I, I need that in my
3: life. I know. Oh my God, the logistical nightmare that they would have to overcome for that. But, um, Yeah. It's a great company.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Honestly, Lisa, Dahlia, this has been such a fun conversation. I think it's really important that we have these conversations three months in to businesses because you've already overcome so much and there's such valuable lessons in here for future entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you both. We love your podcast. Thank you for
2: having us on. That makes us so happy. And yeah, thank you so much. I learned a lot in this episode. Really appreciate it. You guys
0: get it. You inspire me.
1: (laughs) Coming in at (laughs) the end.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's so good, Dahlia. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thank
1: you. Okay. I never knew that I would be this interested in manufacturing, but after listening to this episode and seeing how like, it's definitely not easy, but just like talking to people who have been there and done that makes it feel so much more attainable for some reason. Um, But even so, like just seeing all that goes into it, I think Lisa's point about an abundance mindset. And not needing to be so paranoid over every nook and cranny. Like, um, how many times have we talked about, oh, we need to be on these channels. We need to be doing X, Y, Z because it's possible. And I think at a certain point, we just need to kind of pat ourselves on the back and take it in stride. I think her advice about not getting too worked up was really good. Hmm. It's about the journey, not the destination. How cheesy. It sounds like Hannah Montana.
2: Okay. Am, am I low-key Hannah? Maybe. I
1: think, I think you're either Miley or Hannah, and I don't know which one.
2: I don't know. Eight-year-old me would have totally been Hannah because I wanted to be a celebrity, but that's a story for another day.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, we'll save that for <laughs> its own episode where we unpack Emma's childhood dreams. <laughs>
2: Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> okay, but seriously. Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay 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 Okay. Okay, but in all seriousness um it was really interesting to learn how long the product development process can take and the immediate first thing I thought is oh my god if that was me I'd be an anxious mess thinking someone else was going to be first to market so it's glad to hear I wasn't the only one who would have thought that way but um yeah really good Really good takeaways on the manufacturing side. So, yeah, I feel like I actually learned a lot. And now I'm going to go launch a product company.
1: It's that simple. Let's do it. Let's just do it.
2: Let's do it. Um, But... We hope you enjoyed this episode and we would love for you to check out our website. We've got show notes there. So we link out to all of our guests information and key resources that they share. We've got some cool blog posts. So theygetitmedia.com. We'd love for you to check it out and until next week, have a beautiful week and we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.